following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graff Show. Hello, how come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, yeah? That's right. One in ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael Graff. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. <laughs> At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. go again the zip code famous michael graf show on the air this is tuesday the 14th of august 2018 Show at gmail.com that's my email address it's Show at gmail.com also the paypal address for your most generous contributions that again Show at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at michael graf Facebook, it's The Michael Groff Show. And for everything else Michael Groff related, you know, you go to the one and only michaelgroff.com. And while you're there, you can listen to previous editions of this program. And, of course, you can subscribe to us. And I would actually highly recommend that you go and check us out on Google Music or on the Apple iTunes Store. You can subscribe there. That really helps us out if you do that. Uh, Google Music, Apple, iTunes, all that stuff, uh, and everything else is all available at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Man, it just seems like a very surreal couple of weeks again. The news cycle just never lets up with the weird stuff. Uh, How about this guy that went for a joyride the other day out of the Seattle-Tacoma area? He was a, what was he, a baggage handler or like a lift operator at SeaTac Airport? And he just hops in one of these planes, one of these uh, turboprop planes, a 74-seater. He gets up in the air. He goes for a joyride. They scramble some F-15s out of Portland and come and give him one of those flybys, one of those escorts. He does some loop-de-loops in the air. He's talking to the air traffic control tower. He's having a good time. He's telling everybody, yeah, you know, I probably got a couple of screws loose. Yeah, he says, I'm a broken guy. So, and then if he obviously crashes and burns, they find the plane wreckage, they find his remains. And everybody's asking, well, how could this even happen in the first place? How could a baggage handler or a lift operator, how could he get take over a plane and, and, and you know, get it off the runway and get it up in the air? And that's the question I'm asking. How does it, I would not know. I, I like to think I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I have no idea how to get a plane off the ground. I mean, I think I could figure out the basics, but it would take me some time. I mean, I'd have to actually sort of sit there and kind of look at it for a while. Maybe I'd crack open the manual. I don't know know how a guy just suddenly, he goes, oh, you know, I got this. 
I could figure he has no flight experience. It's not like he's a former pilot. It's not like he was taking time in a simulator someplace. Maybe he was. Maybe maybe he played Microsoft Flight Simulator. I have no idea what he did. But anyway, he obviously wasn't very good at it because um, it didn't sound like he wanted to kill himself, at least not from the conversation he was having with the air traffic control. He didn't sound like he was bitter and angry anyway. He just sounded like he was bored maybe. Maybe his life was just not going the way he wanted it to. He was a little bit nutty, but... I don't know if he really wanted to kill himself, if that was his intention. And uh, even if it was, I, uh, I I don't know if he exactly wanted to go out that way, but what a way to go. I don't know. It's, it's strange. And obviously, people are having their overreactions and, oh, how can we pre- prevent this from happening in the future? Oh, terrorists could do this. Da, da, da. Uh, look, in 100 years... Of travel. How many times has this exact scenario happened? It hasn't. I don't think this is something that's going to become a regular thing. People are like, how do we change the aircraft? How do how about you just monitor what people are doing a little bit more closely? How about you just keep an eye on everybody? Obviously, this guy was giving some warning signs that there were problems. And that was the other issue is the way people characterize this guy in the news, and I know I'm going to sound like I'm way off in the weeds here, but people are characterizing this guy in the news as some sort of a nut job. Here, he took over this plane. What a what a crazy guy. Some people even trying to call him a terrorist. He wasn't. He was just a guy that, as he described himself, he was a broken guy. He was clearly having problems in his life. Um, most of his family just described him as a loving person, a, a really nice guy, a, a caring individual, a little quiet. Um, that's it. And I think what was going on here was this is a person that probably didn't have anybody to turn to, anybody to talk to in his life. And he suppressed his feelings for a long time. And one day he just snapped. That just happens. And he didn't snap like in a fit of rage. He didn't go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak. He just decided, you know what? I've just had it with this mundane crap. I can't talk to anybody. I can't do anything. And, you know, sometimes when you just repress things and suppress things in your mind, you just lose it. It happens. So I think uh, there's a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding. And I don't know. I thought we kind of had a little bit more awareness of it after... Suicide's been in the news over the last couple of months. Remember after the Anthony Bourdain thing, people were like, well, you you know, if you have somebody that you think is a little bit off kilter, maybe you go talk to him today. Maybe you, well, clearly that message has not resonated very well. This guy had some issues, had some demons, and it doesn't seem like anybody was overly willing to figure out what was going on with him. So he takes his plane and he goes on a joyride and he winds up killing himself. I mean, he's doing some loops and he's doing all this stuff in the air. Stuff I wouldn't know how to do. Again, maybe if I sat there and played on a simulator for a while, I could figure it out. I don't know. I don't know if any of us would just be able to get in a plane like he did and take it off. Uh, maybe flying a plane's a little easier than I think. I don't know. I've never attempted it, so I wouldn't even begin to have any idea. All right, so that was one weird... And then there was another story about a guy taking a plane and flying it into... uh, Well, this was from Arizona. This guy has a fight with his wife. I guess they were having some real problems, clearly. (laughs) And he's a pilot. 
he goes to the airport. He gets he takes his little private plane, his Cessna or whatever it is, and he. Uh, this is about two o'clock in the morning. He takes off. He goes and uh, flies it right into their house. <laughs> flies it right into the house where his wife and his daughter are. Now they got out safely. Uh, they're okay. The house, of course, gets destroyed, but um, that's that's a hell of a fight. And everyone's like, "Man, uh, this is the first time I've heard of any of these kind of stories lately. We're seeing a spate of these." No. This has happened before. Remember the guy, Joe Stack, who flew his plane into the IRS building a few years ago? This is back in 2010, actually. He was the an engineer. I think he was about 54 or 57 years old, something like that. And he was... Now, that guy had anger issues. That was a guy that wrote a whole manifesto. That was a guy that had a lot of problems. And I think some people could actually relate with some of his problems, I think some people kind of rooted for him because he flew into the IRS building or one of the IRS buildings like in Texas someplace. No one says what he did was right, but some people kind of rooted for the guy. I, I at least, whenever these stories happen, regardless of what it is, I'm always A, fascinated by the story behind that person and society's response to it. And I always want to hear their backstory. And I think... At least for me, I can sometimes empathize with people like this. Yeah, I may not know exactly what it is that they went through, but I can certainly understand the emotion behind it. I can understand, I can sympathize what it's like to lose something that's valuable to you. Maybe life isn't going the way you want it to go. Maybe you're just having a really tough time. There's nobody to turn to. Nobody wants to listen or, I don't know, you just don't have the means to go out and get the proper help that you could use. So you just lose it and you snap. And that's what happens with these people. That's where it winds up going. And it's very unfortunate. There was a case like that even in my neighborhood. About 18 years ago, there was a guy, he didn't fly his plane into anything, but he did one of those murder-suicide deals. It's unfortunate. And it happens. And, uh, but I, I'm always interested in the story behind it. And I try to at least put myself in someone else's shoes. And I think we should probably have more of that because with all the talk that there was a couple of months ago about this stuff, we still lack empathy as a people. And I'm looking at it from a selfish perspective, too, because I don't want to be the neighbor to the guy that decides to go on a killing spree, that decides to fly his plane into the neighborhood, into his house. or Maybe he just misses ever so slightly. And my house gets it or he decides he's going to blow up the neighborhood or he decides he's going to go on a killing spree at work or wherever. And I just happen to be in the area at the time. So, again, if you know someone that's a little bit unhinged, let's um, maybe you go ahead and you take him out for lunch. And and you know what? If if you're of the opposite sex or if the same sex, whatever his sexual preferences, maybe maybe you look at the guy and you go, you know what? Let's get you hooked up with someone. Or maybe I'll, I'll hook up with you today. Because, honestly, after a good BJ or after a good sex session, who wants to kill themselves? Who wants to go fly their plane into a house or fly their plane, just get in a plane and fly it into an island someplace? After you have some good sex, who wants to do that? So the solution is more sex for everybody, especially for me, but really for everybody, and we sit down and talk to each other and figure out what the problem is and resolve it. And if you know someone that's a little bit weird, yeah, make sure you get on that real fast. Why not? Know someone that's crazy? Jump their bones today. Besides, 
crazy people, best sex. That's how it works. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we just spend more money on mental health care. We could do that, too. I don't know. Not saying I have all the solutions, but I think that's that's a start. One of those two will work. Either better mental health care or just more sex for everybody. And there's other kind of surreal sort of stuff going on in the news also. How about this Amarosa Manigault Newman story? She worked in the White House in the Trump administration. She was on The Apprentice. I guess she's known Donald Trump for 15 years. And I don't know exactly which side to believe. Obviously, by default, I sort of have to go with whoever is on the other side of Donald Trump because we know that Donald Trump has a history of not telling the truth. That said... This doesn't completely add up either. I don't ever want to be in the precarious position of having to defend the president, but you have to call it as you see it. And I guess the story here is that, uh, among other things, she accuses um, Donald Trump of using the N-word on The Apprentice and uh, says that it w- there's tapes of it. She has heard the tapes of it. She knows that he did it. He, she's saying that he's a racist, and I'm not denying that he's probably a racist, but so far, everyone that has claimed that he's used the N-word through the years, there is not a single person that has ever produced a tape, any sort of recording of that. So, uh, yes, he has said some things that clearly would make you think that he's racist, but he has not dropped the big one, so to speak. And anybody that's accused him of that, they have not been able to prove it. So, I don't know. That doesn't add up. So, she accuses him of that. She says, among other things... Now, oh, she also recorded conversations with Donald Trump. She recorded conversations in the Situation Room of the White House, which I found very interesting that it's so easy to take a recording device into the situation room where uh, big strategies are discussed. You know, U.S. uh, national security strategies are sometimes discussed in there, and yet it's very easy to get a recording device in there. That's, um, That's something that I found interesting. Now, I don't say that she has zero credibility, though. It's it's just... It's hard to put a lot of stock into what she says because she has a book coming out now. So despite the fact that she has these recordings where she was fired and clearly Chief of Staff Kelly there in the White House was being um, an asshole to her and surrounding her with lawyers and a lot of double talk was being given to her. Despite all that, oh, and her recordings of Donald Trump, you know, she's got a book now. And so we're hearing about all of this stuff that she says has been going on for years and years and years. She calls Donald Trump a racist, but she never called him that before, even right after she was fired. And this is highlighted on the ABC piece that's out. Uh, Despite that, back then, she had nothing bad to say about Donald Trump. Here, this uh, this is from ABC. Listen to this. It's all a stunning reversal for the woman I sat down with last December, days after her departure. Do you think this president is racist? Absolutely not. I would never sit nor work for someone who I believe to be a racist. And she assured us the president was sad to see her go. Is he upset that you're no longer going to be on his team? He was sad to learn about my departure. Um, I assumed that uh, General Kelly had told him about the resignation. I regret that he found out about it on the television. Do you respect General Kelly? 
Oh, absolutely. I respect the contribution that he's made to this nation. It's just the latest chapter in Manigault Newman's long, complicated history with Donald Trump. Once portrayed as the villain on his reality show, The Apprentice. You can trust other people. Don't trust other people. What are you going to do about it? She's called Trump a friend ever since he first fired her back in 2004. So I guess I don't get the 180. Well, I mean, I do get it. She's got a book coming out. She has to sell books. It's all phony. As I've told you for years, media, the media business is all phony. And people that are in it are phonies. And so people will say whatever they have to say to sell books or to get you to listen to them on radio or TV or whatever. That's what people do. Um, and and that's what she's doing here. She's, she's deciding that uh, she didn't like the way things went down now because it makes for a much better story. If she wrote a book saying how great Donald Trump is, yeah, it's probably going to sell some. But a scandalous book is always going to sell more copies. And what's weird is, I don't think you really have to make up a lot of stuff about Donald Trump to sell books. He's already said and done all sorts of crazy things. But the problem is, with Omarosa, she has no credibility because this is a complete reversal of everything that she has said. But it's just, as the ABC piece points out, it's part of this long, complicated drama fest that she's brought. Of course, Donald Trump is playing right into her hands. He's firing off the angry tweets. He's on TV calling her a dog, and he says that she's a traitor. So it's part of the hot dumpster fire that is the Trump administration. We've seen this, well, ever since he got into office. We've seen people say things about him, some of them true, some of them not. He fires back with just these 10-year-old prepubescent insults at them. And he's just, uh, well, you know, of course, he exposes himself as a giant man-child. And the people that he surrounds himself with have no credibility either. So what do you expect? What do you expect from this administration? It's just something to sit back, laugh at, and hope that we don't get blown up. Hope that we don't get locked into nuclear war in the next two years. What's really wild is that he has a 50% approval rating right now. 50% of the country says, oh, yeah, Donald Trump's doing a fine job. Totally approve of it. I don't get it. I would love to meet some of those people. I don't think I know anyone that actually would say that he's doing a good job. I know some people in my life that are like, oh, he's not as bad as everyone makes him out to be. Or, yeah, he might be kind of bad, but liberals this and that. But I don't think I know anybody that just goes, man, what an incredible job this guy is doing. So... There's that. Oh, and on the Omarosa front, one more thing. Uh, Apparently, there are going to be lawsuits filed. You know that. The Donald Trump uh, campaign, the Trump folks are going to be suing Omarosa for millions of dollars because of the non-disclosure agreements and the defamation of character. Of course, the truth is an absolute defense, number one. And number two, I don't think you can defame Donald Trump. I don't think you can damage somebody that already has the reputation that he has. I think he's got, it's one of those things, how can you destroy a reputation that doesn't exist or that's already been destroyed? This is a guy that went around and said that he liked to grab women by the pussy. I don't think there's any way to really destroy his reputation or damage him any further. 
I would think that a defamation lawsuit would be kind of meaningless because you have to establish damages. How is this damaging his brand? He's the president of the United States. People are either going to buy into what he's doing and buy his stuff or or pay attention to him or they're not. The decision's already been made. He's done enough to assail his own reputation through the years. What Omarosa says or does has no bearing on that. I don't think you could establish that in a court of law. So uh, good luck with those lawsuits. And, you know, that's the Trump way to make as many lawsuits as possible. And then most of them don't wind up going anywhere or there are settlements or he just flat out loses. So there is also that. We'll take a break here. And when we continue, I'll get into Alex Jones. I know so many people are excited that he got thrown off of Facebook and he's been kicked off of other platforms as well. We talked a little bit about this on the last show, but why is it that so many people are excited or even happy or jubilant that he got thrown off? I know there's a lot of people that just don't like the guy. He's insane. And I get it. Uh, I've said that myself. But is this something that we should be celebrating? We'll get into that. Plus, Laura Ingram. Some people use dog whistles. Others use bullhorns. You make the call on that. Everyone's favorite Fox News talking head uh, found herself in some trouble here pretty recently. And we've got all of our other usual segments. Uh, the pop chart. I think we're going to do a little bit of a twist on the pop chart once more. Maybe we'll look at some new songs coming out, new releases. We'll see if there's anything new and happening coming out in the music biz. I'm not so sure about it, but we'll check that out. Plus the song of the day and all of our other usual features as well. Still coming up. You're listening to the 10,347th most popular podcast on iTunes. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Coming down to the latter day we got many moves so I keep an eye on the shadow's mouth to see what it has to say. You and I both know everything must go away. Oh, what do you say? Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Tuesday. This is the 14th of August, 2018. Thanks so much for checking us out as always. So on our previous show, the Alex Jones story really got going and it's really taken off from there. You know, he got banned by Facebook for 30 days. Since then, he's also been banned from YouTube. I believe he's actually received a couple of YouTube bans for various commentary, I guess, that he put up there. And, you know, he's the guy that is Mr. Conspiracy Theory. He's got the big one that everybody is talking about that he's been peddling for the last several years is that Sandy Hook is some sort of a false flag. The school shooting where 27 kids died two teachers were killed. He says it didn't really happen. They were actors, which is just 
absurd on so many levels. There's no reason to really even give it any credit. Mostly, it's just a, a program for entertainment, all right? It's just another one of these conspiracy shows. Alex Jones, going through a big divorce a couple of years ago, he said... After his wife accused him of being crazy, believe it or not, I don't know where she'd get that idea, he said his counter-argument in the divorce proceedings was that it was all an act, that everything he does on the air is an act, which would make him a giant fraud, which I've said for many years, that's what I believe it is. It's all just entertainment. He's just trying to get people to listen and doing so by attracting the most uh, listeners possible. The low-hanging fruit going after the conspiracy nuts out there. It's very easy to do. Coast to Coast AM has been making a living at it for a long time. And so Alex Jones is going after that same kind of audience. And that's the thing about media nowadays is that that's what you do. You try to find that groove. You try to be as outrageous as possible to attract as many listeners as you can. That's the nature of media nowadays. It's not really about talent as much as it is your ability to be outrageous and uh, get people around you that know how to market that outrageousness and get, get it seen and heard by the most people possible. So that's what Alex Jones does. And admittedly, he's pretty good at it. But now he's facing these bans from various uh, outlets, Facebook, YouTube. And uh, since our last show, he also was removed from the Apple iTunes directory. His podcast was taken down off of there, as well as Google Music. They took him down. In fact, the only place that doesn't seem to have banned him is Twitter. Twitter says that they're not going to ban him. In fact, they've been taking some heat for it because they say, we're just going to let the people decide what they want to do with it. If they want to follow him, fine. If they don't, fine. We're just going to leave it up to them, which I think is the best call. And I've gotten into lots of discussions with people over the last few weeks about this. And the common argument that people make is, well, Mike, Google and Apple, all these companies have every right to throw them off. They're private companies. If they don't want him on there, then they can remove him. They, he doesn't have any expectation to be hosted there. Of course he doesn't. Nobody is arguing that. I'm not sitting here saying that they have to keep him up there. I'm merely asking the question, should they remove him just because he says and does outrageous things? And more importantly, the bigger question is, should people be happy because Alex Jones gets banned from someplace? Because, yeah, it's very easy to target Alex Jones. It's Again, it's low-hanging fruit. He says crazy things. He does crazy things. He's a, he's a wacky guy. Serious crap. I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. Yes, it's very easy to want to go after something like that. But today they go after Alex Jones. Tomorrow they go after something else. I've seen people that are openly rooting for Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or iTunes to take down the podcasts of people like Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or restrict other pages from conservative guys or liberal guys. I don't want any of that taken down. I think it should all be up there. Besides, I think it's better to have different perspectives on the web all over the place. I think it's better even to have the radical people. I think it's best to have them out in the open. And people say, well, hold on. If they're out in the open, people can get drawn to them. Alex Jones has gotten more free publicity out of all of this, out of getting banned off of YouTube and Facebook than he ever got in the last, he's been on the air for what, 17, 18 years doing this stuff. So, as long as he's been around, he's never had this much. I mean, he's had attention here and there from things, but this has been 
fairly prolonged sustained attention. I've heard this talked about on various radio shows. I've, I've heard this on NPR. I've heard this all over the place. I'm still talking about it, and it's still making headlines even within the last 24 hours. There's been other stories about this. And so he's gotten a lot of... So if the goal here is to... Well, we don't want to give him all this visibility. Too late. Doing this, publicly banning him and publicly shaming him, that's giving him a lot of extra visibility. How about just let it out there, leave it out there, let the people that want to go into that niche, that groove, let them go after that show and listen to it. And you know what? If somebody comes up to you and talks about making the frogs gay... I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Then you can go ahead and you can openly mock them. And it's fine, but... Serious crap! (laughs) Why ban that? Why take that off of the iTunes listing? Why deny the public the opportunity to listen to something so absurd and so outrageous? And I understand there is some degree of responsibility that a broadcaster should have in not just going on the air and reporting things that are knowingly and blatantly false and completely absurd. And But then what's, what's the line of absurdity? Are Kennedy assassination conspiracy theories absurd? Uh, Vietnam conspiracy theories? Is any of that absurd? Uh, anything that Jesse Ventura, anything that he says, is that going to be outrageous as well? He was the governor of Minnesota. When I was the governor, I learned a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to know, but now I know them. So I'm saying what's off limits from being banned? Should we be happy about it? Should we be openly rooting for it? That's the question I have. Is it something that we should be happy about when a big institution like YouTube, Google, Google Play Music, or iTunes, when they remove something that they deem offensive, or not even offensive, but they just think is inflammatory or outrageous, should we be excited about that? Because what's next? There's always going to be a next. It's not. It never just stops. It's not going to just be like, well, we took care of Alex Jones, and that's the end of it. But the real concern that I have here is not only does it give Alex Jones all the attention that he wants, which is exactly how they sort of played right into his hands, but he's been screaming for years that YouTube and Google and iTunes and all these other places would start banning him. They'd say they don't want the truth out there. They don't want the truth out there. He would say that. He would say that they're going to eventually shut me down. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy, of course, because they did shut him down. It, it, Even though as wacky as he may be, as many outrageous things as he may say, you know what it's going to do? It's going to start to make some people that are a little bit more toward the mainstream say, well, you know what? He says a lot of wacky things about frogs being gay. Do you understand that? But gee, he said they were all going to come and ban me. And now here they have. Huh. It gives Alex Jones more credibility. And that's really the last thing that people want, isn't it? Isn't that the last thing that all these various institutions want is to give Alex Jones any credibility? Well, they've done it. Whether they like it or not, by banning him, by shutting him up, that's what you do. You give these guys more credibility than if you just left them alone. Just like KKK guys, if you start making laws that say you can't uh, be a racist prick, well, you know what it starts to do? It starts to say, see, they, they just don't want us out there. And it starts to, yeah, maybe you don't get a lot more followers. Maybe you don't draw a lot more into your circle. But it does start to make it look like somebody has something to hide. So why not just leave it out there? Let him be wacky. Let him have his uh, cult following 
and leave it at that. People should never be happy or rejoice when a voice is silenced, even if it's a voice that provides an opinion that you don't like, you don't understand, or you think is completely absurd, completely irrelevant to the culture. Even something that is bigoted or racist, you should not automatically want to immediately silence that voice, no matter how much it may disgust you, because eventually somebody might want to silence your voice. And you may think, well, I'm a perfectly reasonable person. No one would ever want to silence my opinion or my view. And even if they did, well, they have the right to do it anyway. So I'll just lay down and take it. Don't. Don't cheer for it. Don't be happy about it. I'm not defending Alex Jones. I'm defending the idea of having more open dialogue, more open communication, more of these kinds of diverse programs on the Internet Now, if somebody is advocating that we commit massive felonies, if somebody is advocating that we assassinate world leaders and commit international crimes, then there's a big difference. Okay, that's something that is blatantly irresponsible. There are laws. I I get it. But I'm talking about just on a general rule, somebody that has an opinion that differs from yours, that doesn't make them bad, and that doesn't mean that they should be silenced. Uh, Rush Limbaugh is, yeah, sure, you might not like him, but it doesn't mean that, oh, we have to take him off of there because he's just a right-wing nut. We can't have any right-wing people in this country anymore, blah, blah, blah. That's just fear-mongering, and it's just, um, it, it really does not help your cause when you go around wanting to shut people up. What it means, the, the more you want to silence somebody, the more someone might think that, oh, you, maybe you want to silence them because they might have something to say, and they might have something to say that you don't like. And maybe that thing is bad and maybe that something is good. You know what? Now I really want to hear them. I mean, that's kind of the human condition, isn't it? Something that's been silenced, something that's been banned. It just sounds like something that's enticing and alluring. Something that we want to hear now. Ooh, it it was banned. This must be really bad. Let's hear what it is. We're not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. I mean, what the hell have we become? Okay, in this case... Yeah, in this case, maybe maybe it's not so enticing, but I, did, I, I find it humorous, at least. Let me tell you who I don't find humorous. Laura Ingram over on Fox News. She has had a radio show for a long time, and I haven't heard it forever, but when I used to listen to the various talk shows all over the market, I remember her show being kind of moderate Republican slash libertarian-esque in a way. And she didn't seem full-blown Republican shill. I mean, most of the time it was, yeah, Republican talking point radio, but not 100% of the time. Then as time went on, as many of these hosts on Right Wing Talk have done, she has become more and more conservative, further and further out to the right. Then she hitched her wagon to the Trump thing sometime during the 2015-2016 campaign. And then she wound up getting a job over there at Fox News. And she has been, uh, well, whatever, I don't know, her ratings, I guess, have done fairly well. But last week, all the stereotypes about Fox News, all the things that people say about them being racist or having hosts that are racist and bigoted, I don't think everybody over there is, but certainly there are some people that make references at times that make you sort of think, gee, that's kind of a dog whistle sort of thing. That's sort of a bigoted remark. And I don't know, Laura Ingram put away the dog whistle last week and she just got out the bullhorn and let you know exactly what she thinks. Because in some parts of the country, it does seem like the America that we know and love 
doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been foisted upon the American people. And they're changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. From Virginia to California, we see stark examples of how radically, in some ways, the country has changed. Now, much of this is related to both illegal and, in some cases, legal immigration that, of course, progressives love. We could pick this apart any number of ways. First of all, there's her comment about the changes that nobody voted for and very few people want. That's bullcrap. We can just set that off to the side. And she talks about illegal immigration being bad. That's fine. We can at least somewhat agree on that, too. Illegal immigration, we obviously need to be doing more to enforce border security. But she's not talking about that. This is not a discussion about illegal immigration so much as it is. She specifically brought up the demographics changes as it relates to both illegal and legal immigration in the United States. And that... Well, I mean, I don't know how else to call this other than bigoted at best case scenario or just all out racist. Now, maybe, maybe Laura Ingram is just saying, you know what? The United States is full. We don't have to, we, we don't need any more people in here. We can't hold any more people. But that's not what she said. She said demographics, the composition of the nation, the breakdown of, well, she's talking about immigrants, so the breakdown of the various ethnicities and nationalities in this country. She doesn't like the changing demographics. Words mean something. And it's not like you're speaking extemporaneously on that show. That is something where you have prepared the words that you have written. You're reading them off a teleprompter. So you didn't just fumble, you didn't just foible and say something stupid. This is an intended speech about the demographics changing as it relates to immigrants. And that means you don't like the various nationalities and ethnicities coming in here. And maybe you don't like Irish people or Scottish, British, German, French. Well, okay, nobody likes the French. I get it. But maybe it's more likely that you don't like the most common immigrants that are coming into the United States, the ones that are coming in in greatest mass, and that is Hispanics from Mexico and much of Latin America. Maybe you don't like that, or maybe you don't like the Chinese or the Japanese, Koreans, Vietnamese. That's a, a significant population increase here. Maybe you don't like black people coming into the United States. I'm not sure what it is, but when you say that changing demographics are bothering you and you're related to immigra immigration... Well, there's nothing else. There's no other way that we can take that other than bigoted, maybe more likely racist. What else is it? What the hell other demographics could you be referring to? Oh, there's too many old people, too many old Germans coming into the United States. Clearly, that's a demographic we need to crack down. That's not what you meant at all. And I am the last person to throw the stone at someone and say you're being racist. But there's no other way that you can spin this that would satisfy my brain to say oh no that's not what i meant at all i really don't understand how you can make that comment how you can come up with those remarks and not have them be completely racist that's exactly what they are laura ingram pretty much just justified all of those stereotypes that people make about fox news even though i don't think that the stereotypes are always warranted i don't think everybody on fox news is a nazi or a racist or a bigot or whatever but Laura Ingram, there's no way you can get around that, babe. You are, you are even even if in my 
fantasy land scenario, best case I could paint you in with a rainbow behind you and everything, I would still have to call you a bigot for that. So now hold on, though, just a second. She did try to walk this back or maybe not even really walk it back. She tried to explain herself the next night because social media exploded. She got an absolute firestorm thrown at her. I mean, it was just unreal. And um, so this is what she said the next night about those comments. I want to start tonight by addressing my commentary at the top of last night's show. A message to those who are distorting my views, including all white nationalists and especially one racist freak whose name I will not even mention. You do not have my support. You don't represent my views and you are antithetical to the beliefs I hold dear. The purpose of last night's angle was to point out that the rule of law, meaning secure borders, is something that used to bind our country together. And despite what some may be contending, I made explicitly clear that my commentary had nothing to do with race or ethnicity, but rather a shared goal of keeping America safe and her citizens safe and prosperous. So then what was with the whole rant about demographics changes as it relates to immigration? The only demographics that shift during immigration are nationality and race. And if you didn't want your message to be thought of as racist, then maybe you shouldn't have basically said, boy, I sure don't like the changing demographics of this country thanks to immigration. Because there's no other way. You can scream and yell all you want about how you're not racist and how you don't associate with racists and you're not giving any voice to white supremacists or whatever out there. But then in the very next breath, you say, yep, man, these immigrants are sure changing our demographics and I don't like it. And I don't like all these changes that we didn't vote for. When, I, when you say we and you say most of us didn't vote for, who's the most of us? Who's the us? What is the antecedent us? The entire United States? Well, that's not true. So either you're just incredibly stupid, which I don't believe. I actually believe that Laura Ingram is a smart person. So either you're incredibly stupid or you're racist and you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You went a little bit too far. You, you took out uh, the bullhorn by accident instead of the dog whistle and you got caught. People caught you red handed on this one. And now you had to sort of try and walk it back and give us the whole, I'm not racist, but yeah, I still kind of stand by my whole demographics thing, which is basically what you said. No, you misunderstood me. What I meant to say was exactly what I just said, you idiots. And it's almost impossible for me to call you a racist just outright, because as someone that does this broadcast thing myself... And I've done many live shows through the years, and I've spoken extemporaneously. I don't even have the benefit of a teleprompter. I say all of this off the top of my head. As somebody that has done this for so long and had people misconstrue what I say, or some people just hear it completely differently than what I say, or some people, well, they're just not that bright, and so they hear whatever they want to hear. But whatever the case... Sometimes you do have to re-explain things to people because maybe you didn't articulate it properly or maybe you did and people just need it clarified. But I figure your initial clip, which I did not play the entire 11 minutes, okay? I just played a portion of it. But in 11 minutes, you couldn't clear up the demographics issue like that. You had 11 whole friggin' minutes to clarify that. And then you're Next, your follow-up comments the next night were less than 90 seconds, and you still didn't clarify it. All you would have had to say is, listen, the demographics changes I meant were this, that, and the other. 
I don't know. I, I can't even possibly think of what demographics you think are changing other than as they relate to immigration, other than race and nationality. So uh, maybe intelligence. Maybe you think that we're just immigrating dumb people. I don't know. I don't know what you think. I'm not sure. So um, maybe one day we can get clarification on that, but I, I'm the last person to accuse someone of being racist, and there's Laura Ingram, and she's, uh, there's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind that even, again, at best case scenario, she's a bigot. So whatever, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe somebody can explain this to me. Groffshow at gmail.com. That's my email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. You want to try and explain this? I would love to hear it. Let's see. I covered all that. So that's enough about Laura Ingram, Alex Jones, and the wacky bunch over there. All right. Let's see. Third segment coming up. We've got uh, we've got to get to the song of the day. Got some music, other music stuff to get to. Our who gives a fuck segment and just miscellaneous other things. You know how it is. I try to clean off the desk in the third segment. We'll do that coming up next. Because you secretly hate your sense of hearing. You're listening to the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com Million miles away your signal in the distance To whom it may concern I think I lost my way Getting good at starting over Every time Michael Graff Show on a Tuesday, the 14th of August, 2018. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is our email address. It is groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program and your most generous contributions. Fate looks certain, but then nothing's guaranteed. You can find me on Twitter at Michael Groff and Facebook. It's the Michael Groff Show. For everything else, Michael Groff related, the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. While you're over there, you can listen to previous editions of this program. Also, would highly recommend that you subscribe to our podcast so that whenever we post new shows, you'll get those. 
Do that over at iTunes. That really helps us out a lot. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can even use Google Music if you like. We are over there, the Google Play Store or whatever the hell you want to call it, the Google Podcast Outlet. I know there's so many different apps for Android for Google. I don't even know. Just if you want to use Google, subscribe to us over there, okay? It's really easy, I think. Much easier to do than it is to subs- to uh, describe to you how to subscribe. What I give you, I get nothing in return. Hey, at least it works. All right, so I wanted to get to some of the new music that's out right now. I don't have any fancy production elements for it. Unfortunately, I, I just sort of had this idea at the beginning of the show today. Instead of doing the pop chart segment, we'd take a look at some of the releases that are either just coming out this week or have come out in the last week or two and get a taste of uh, maybe there's some good new music coming out. Probably not. We'll look at some of the big names and some of the random stuff that's out. So obviously uh, not all this is going to be good, but maybe some of you are fans of this stuff and maybe this will encourage you to go out and buy it. So let's see what's out this week. First of all, we've got Ariana Grande, her new album has come out and uh well of course the featured track off of that this has been on the radio for a while this is uh god is a woman i'm gonna say stuff and yeah every time i say something i say yeah Let's just not finish our word. Let's say a word. And then not finish. My name is Michael Gras. Alright, this is terrible. Alright, uh, Blue October. They've got a new album out. And again, this song has been out for a while, but this is from the album I Hope You're Happy. October, even though I've heard some of the cuts off of this album. I'm not so sure about a lot of it, but uh, this song's pretty cool. I think for some people it's an acquired taste. This guy in Blue October, the lead singer there, Justin Furstenfeld, he's made the claim that he has written out songs. He's written over 500 songs. He believes he could probably do another, I don't know, 40, 50 albums. So if you're a fan of Blue October, you've got plenty of music to look forward to. 
Let's see what else here. Uh, Nicki Minaj has a new album out. Oh, boy. This is called Queen. Let me see. There's 19 tracks to choose from. So, hey, at least there's a lot of tracks on the album. All of you Nicki Minaj fans out there. Right. Uh, this is, let's see here. This is Thought I Knew You featuring The Weeknd. Oh, this should be exciting. Haven't heard from Nicki Minaj in about two minutes, so it'll be nice to uh, check out what she's been up to. I'm sure her songwriting's gotten better. Oh, boy. Bailing out on words halfway through them. My love. You're confused. My love. No wonder kids mumble today because the music mumbles. Oh my goodness. Alright, well that's news. Hold on, let's... Let's see if there's another track here. I see she's got tracks with Lil Wayne. She's got one with Ariana Grande. This is Bed. All the big stars collaborating. Thousand dollar sheets. Waiting for you on some thousand dollar sheets. Yeah. I got caught a three on repeat. Oh, yeah. Back shots to the beat of the Millie on you. Got me yucking like you got a Millie on you. You say I'm the goat, you're the Billy on you. I can make all your dreams come true. Wanna fall through, then you better come true. Alrighty then. Alright, let's take it in a different direction here. This is an indie rock group. They are, uh, well, this is their debut album. It's The Beths. This is called Future Me Hates Me. Another fine product from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. I think you can tell by my tone of voice that is not exactly a compliment. It's one of those things people always would say, Mike, why don't you play more indie on your station? This is back in the day. They'd say, come on, man, play some more indie music. And it's because it all kind of sounds like this. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, you guys got into a studio and it doesn't sound technically bad. But it's just your, your vocals aren't really good. It just sounds very local artist kind of like local band quality. 
I don't know. Maybe if you gave them a professional producer, you put them in a better setting, you really jazzed it up a bit. But then it wouldn't be indie anymore, man. It'd be too mainstream, dude. Can't do that to music, man. I mean, it's not terrible. It's just, it's just whatever. So, all right. Uh, yeah, I guess you can go and check them out. All right, keeping it in the indie rock genre, not sure if we should. And incidentally, you're hearing this at the same time I am for the very first time. So I have no idea what to expect here either. So, oh boy. All right, this is uh, new stuff from The Love Language. That's the group. And the album is Baby Grand. This is called Juice Box with two X's. Not sure why, but why not? I'm worried about this one. I was right to worry. Alright, because everybody wanted another Bee Gees. it as long as I can because I know some people in the audience are going to be like, you don't listen to the whole thing. Of course I'm not. You know, I'm doing a show here. I can't play 30 tracks. I just... You know, you got to go with first impression. A lot of people give a song about 10 seconds of listening to it before they decide whether or not they like it. And uh, I'm trying to give it a little bit more, like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. But this is tough, man. It's... uh Indie music, it just goes one of two directions, man, and, and usually it's it's going the wrong way on that fork, so. Oh, boy. Maybe this was just a bad week to do this segment. There's really not a lot of stuff in the rock genre out this week, which I think is really kind of hurting me here because uh, that would probably make this segment a little bit better. Okay, it all hinges on one more. Let me just look on the list here. Let's see if I can find one that I actually recognize. Uh all right, here we go. Oh, boy. We've got the latest from Death Cab for Cutie. The album is called Thank You for Today. This is Gold Rush. I really liked I'll Follow You Into the Dark. Judge me all you want. I, that song was nice. I want to like something in this so it doesn't sound like I'm just a complete curmudgeon, but the bottom
bottom line is, if you're looking to buy some new music this week, uh, save your money. Yikes. I mean, I want to kind of keep going and see if I can actually find something that's palatable. This is the closest to palatable in this segment so far. And Old Rush. The only thing I can think of with Gold Rush is picking my nose. I don't know why. <laughs> How old am I again? Alright, I tried, man. I really tried. So that's all the new stuff. that Maybe some of you guys like this stuff. I don't know. So you're always welcome to send your feedback, groffshow at gmail.com. Maybe I'm completely off base on this music and you want to set me straight. Anyway, with music in mind, let's go right into it. Here we go to the song of the day. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Song of the day. It's hard to believe it's been 25 years since this came out. I heard this the other day and I just went, I can't believe, I, I feel so old now. I feel ancient now that I think about it. But yes, 25 years ago, I heard this song on the radio and, of course, the MTV acoustic version, the unplugged version as well. Yeah, it's Stone Temple Pilots. Those of you around my age right now, realize it. You're old. We're ancient. It's Plush, the Michael Graff Show song of the day. And I feel the time's a waste to go. So where are you going to tomorrow? And I see that these are lies to come. Would you even care? And I feel it. And I feel it. Where you going to tomorrow? Where you going with a mask I found? Mask I found. 
to smell her Where she smell alone When the dogs you find her Got some time to wait for tomorrow To find it, to find it, to find it It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show song of the day. It's a 25 year old song now. I know I've heard it on the oldies station. It's weird. Actually, our oldies station, they play talk, talk by no doubt. Yeah. Not the talk, talk version, the no doubt version, uh, as an oldie. And that's from like 2004 or something. But anyway, there you go. Now we have just one more piece of business that we got to get to. And then we are out of here. Who gives a fuck? It's the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint megabytes and airtime reporting. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a fuck? It's my ongoing effort to expand the demographics of this program, and that's why I present to you the stories that I may not necessarily care about. And many of you in this audience might say, Jesus, Mike, what the hell? I don't care about this either. But obviously, we're in the minority. Most people do because these are stories that are making headlines all over the place. It's the music news, the entertainment news, the stuff that ordinarily we just skim over. And I cram it here into this segment. And here we go. Jenna Jameson says that she's lost 60 pounds. The adult film star says that after the birth of her daughter, Battelle, in April of 2017, she's gone in the long and winding road to weight loss. But she says there were days where she didn't feel like leaving the house. Quote, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was heavy, I hated leaving the house. I felt judged. I felt eyes on me everywhere, Jameson wrote on Instagram. Quote, I could hear others' internal monologues saying, damn, Jenna Jameson let herself go. Ugh. The 44-year-old also spoke about her fear that she wouldn't be able to lose weight while she was sober. Jameson has been sober for nearly three years now. Quote, but beyond the shallow thinking, there was deeper shame. I was disappointed in myself, she said. I was worried I couldn't lose the weight sober. I actually thought Jenna Jameson was older than 44. Wow, all right. Well, you learn something new every day. I'm not familiar with her work. I've heard dozens of interviews with her over the years. She's a very interesting person. And you'd think as open as she is and you'd think as uninhibited as porn people are that she wouldn't feel judged and she wouldn't feel that kind of shame or she wouldn't feel bad about her body as much as she's exposed it over the years. But that's just the weird underbelly of the porn industry. There's a lot of people that have those kinds of insecurities. It's fascinating. 
All right, speaking of fascinating stuff, Dr. Pimple Popper has been renewed for another season on TLC. Yes, uh, I don't know how many of you can even stomach watching it. It's really hard for me to watch that. Uh, Dr. Pimple Popper is more than just someone that goes on and pops zits for people and shows you how to do that. This is someone, I mean, some of these people have these giant cysts, these giant, like, either sebaceous or whatever, these huge things that have just grown on their knees or on their backs or some. And she goes in and um, and pops them and takes care of them. And the, the look on some of these people's faces is, is just priceless. I mean, it's just all this pressure. It's pounds of stuff coming out of them. It, it's just... Ugh, thinking of it just kind of grosses me out a little bit. I don't know why. That's really tough for me to take. Um... Yeah, again, at the same time, it is interesting. How do people get into that situation where they have this 10-pound thing sitting on their back for all these years, and finally, uh, they, they don't go to a doctor. They don't have somebody take care of it. it. They leave it to Dr. Pimple Popper. They leave it to somebody on TV to handle it. But uh, So that's been renewed for another season. Evidently, it's a big hit for TLC. It's just weird watching the evolution of TLC. When I was a kid... That was the channel that had all these different documentaries on it. These shows presented by NASA. You used to watch wildlife stuff on there. And now it's got Dr. Pimple Popper and Say Yes to the Dress. So if you're a fan of Dancing with the Stars, uh, this could be coming to the U.S. very soon. Over in the U.K., they have a version of the show called Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, they've obviously run out of celebrities over there because now they're pulling off uh, presenters or news anchors on TV. And they've even dipped to the lowest of low YouTube celebrities. And who the fuck even knows who anybody is on YouTube? But apparently enough people do to call them celebrities. Somebody with 5,000 subscribers. Uh, They got this guy Joe Sugg on there. And so I'm just warning you right now, if you're a fan of the show, this could be coming to the United States very soon. We might get uh, Instagram people. Why not just start pulling people off Twitter for Dancing with the Stars? Dog owner underscore 774. You have 638 Twitter followers. Come on, Dancing with the Stars. Why not? (laughs) Meanwhile, Sam Smith has evidently pissed off the entire Internet because he says he doesn't like Michael Jackson. And I don't really know much about Sam Smith. He had like one song that I remember. And I think we played it on here um, one day. Remember when we were doing that list of the 20 best wake-up songs? I think one of his songs was on there. Anyway, he said that he doesn't like Michael Jackson while being recorded by Adam Lambert. And it blew up into this big internet thing. Uh, Michael Jackson's nephew, TJ, weighed in on it just basically saying that to disparage uh, another soul singer, the pioneer of the R&B soul music genre. How dare you do that? Or one of the pioneers of it. How can you do that? You're allowed to have your opinion, but to say that on video um, is just ignorant and disrespectful and disgraceful. So, And Sam Smith has yet to reply to that, but uh, the internet, uh, Sam Smith apparently <laughs> received quite a bit of flack about this. And Amy Schumer is in the news because she doesn't want you to record her act. Yes, cell phones are prohibited at an Amy Schumer show nowadays. She's a poucher, as they call it. Somebody that has you place your phones, everyone places their phones in a case or some kind of pouch, a cozy, whatever, 
and it disables them so that you can't record her shows. Because I guess if people start recording her shows, they're going to be able to compare it to other acts that she's stolen from over the years and then make video montages of all the things that she's stolen. Um, just another example of Amy Schumer being completely insecure. Don't steal my material. Don't don't you dare record my material and try to steal it. You know, like I've done with so many other comedians over the years. I'm done with Amy Schumer. When you're in the creative business, when you're a comedian like that, and your whole thing is to come up with your own material and you just start... And again, I, I understand that people have similar thoughts. There are parallel thoughts. Uh, I'm not talking about that. There are just blatant examples of all the things that Amy Schumer has stolen over the years, and now she doesn't want you to record that because, well, that's the only reason I can think of why she wouldn't. What could possibly be the reason that you don't want to do that? Oh, I just don't want my material out there. I want people to actually come to my show, so that's why I don't want people recording it. It's just to keep it authentic and keep it new and fresh for everybody. Now, that's not the reason, because your stuff, you post your stuff online. It's just that you cut out some of the jokes that you know you stole from other people. I'm not saying that 100% of her act is stolen, but she does lift, borrow, whatever, a sizable portion of her repertoire from other comics. Now, I haven't seen her in a long time. I haven't. I don't know if she still does it. But the fact is, she used to do it, and it's pretty disgusting. All right, and what else have we got here? Oh, yes, Rolling Stone has a list of the 25 best ABBA songs. 25 best ABBA songs? How are there 25? What do they have, like three or four, maybe five hits? Uh, let's see if I recognize any of these on here. Let's let's just run down here. 25, 25 blah, 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 blah. All right. Uh, okay, I recognize number 20. Here we go. Number 20 on this list is Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. I should probably add this. Uh, for those of you younger in this audience, ABBA was a group from Sweden in the mid-70s to early 80s. They had some hits here in the U.S. They were like, they were Ace of Bass before there was Ace of Bass. So this is number 20 on the Rolling Stone list of the 25 best ABBA songs. Let's see. I don't know that one. That wasn't a hit. Okay, here we go. Number 10 is Waterloo. My mom likes this music, so. Oh, I love that ABBA. They're so good now. Oh, I'm going to sing with that Waterloo. I love that song. Yeah. All right. 
number nine on this list, Take a Chance on Me. Change your mind. Take a chance on the first in line. On the arms feel free. Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. If you got no place to go, when you feel I can't believe someone would sit down and make a list of the best ABBA songs. Uh, there's, there are many more groups out there that had far more hits. Far more influential on music, but... Hell, you could have done the 25 best Ace of Bass songs. <laughs> 22 of them would have just been the sign, though, I think. Anyway, number five on this list, the 25 best ABBA songs. Um, Mama Mia. Mama Mia, here I go again. My, my, how can I resist you? Mama Mia, does it show again? My, my, just how much I missed you. I do remember when I was about three or four years old in North Dakota. Apparently, ABBA was... The official soundtrack of the entire state of North Dakota. It was this song. I think was the official state song or something, because you heard it everywhere. This and Earth, Wind, and Fire. The three or four songs I remember most from my childhood. This song, well, ABBA in general. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Billy Joel. Funky Town. I remember other songs too, and that, but but those are the songs. It's like you heard them all the time. I like Billy Joel. I don't know. I never really Earth, Wind, and Fire. I I did get an appreciation for after I saw them in concert many years later. This is just one group I never really was able to latch on to. Abba. I don't hate it. I just, it's one of those things where I just, I don't know. For me, it just never really, um, never resonated. I guess it's one of those things that's nostalgic. I'll never really hate it because I can at least associate it with my childhood. It's just, I just kind of go, okay, all right, I get it. It's ABBA. I won't run away from it, but I just, I just laugh when someone makes a the people really made a big deal about this group. This is like the best. It's a revolution in music, man. Okay, and then uh, number one on this list of the 25 best ABBA songs. Well, of course it's this. Queen, Rolling Stone Magazine's number one, their best ABBA song. 
I would have to say this would be the most overplayed ABBA song, but now I'm not even a big fan. I would not put this at number one. I'd have put Waterloo ahead of this. Hell, I'd have put Gimme, Gimme, Gimme ahead of this. At least Madonna sampled that later on. I don't know. That just doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. But there you go. That's your list. And uh, I'm always a sucker for lists. So anytime someone puts one out, especially when it comes to music, you know that I'm probably going to go ahead and read it. I'm going to fall for it. At least I didn't play all 25 songs. That First of all, this segment would have been 50 minutes long. It's already after... 1.30 in the morning when I'm still recording this. I, I had terrible heartburn earlier, so I had to take an extended pause in between segments. So if you're wondering why this show is actually coming out on August 15th, that's why. I'm sitting, it's actually, it's 1.56 in the morning as I am wrapping up the show. My dedication to this program is unquestioned. I'm insane. I know. It's okay. All right. Uh, groffshow at gmail.com. That is my email address. Groffshow at gmail.com. I think I'm going to have a new email address for the show for your contact stuff here very soon. Um, that's also the PayPal address, though. Groffshow at gmail.com for your most generous contributions. Please, really do encourage you to donate. Help us out. Twitter, you can find me at Michael Groff. Facebook, it's The Michael Groff Show. And for everything else Michael Groff related, the one and only michaelgroff.com. While you're over there, you can listen to previous editions of this program. And I would also encourage you to help us out by subscribing to us on the Apple iTunes or on uh, Google Music there. Google Podcast. So please do that. That's it. We'll be back again uh, later this week for another edition of the one and only Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it, as always. And good night, everybody.